I'm gonna make him an offer again. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together, they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Watch on a big screen Hisense TV. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Viper. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. You're listening to the best movies you've never seen. Welcome to our latest episode. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm a dead set movie nerd. We're covering Jaws today, which is an all-time favourite. But my offsider, Trevor Long, has never seen this film. And I'm very happy that he's finally got around to it. Trevor, welcome. You are a movie narc in many ways uh, because you know too much, you've seen too many, and you've seen them too many times. And I yes. am just a boring human who's being slowly introduced to the real world of entertainment. Well, I'm glad that you finally got to see this movie. It only came out in 1975. Were you even were you born? No. That, was that what you, what year were you born? 76. <laughs> you were like 20 by uh, now. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. I was actually seven, but that's okay. Uh, it was released in the summer of 1975, the American summer of 1975, directed by, of course, our great, our, the great man, Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. based on the Peter Benchley bestseller, which I have read. Uh, and this is a movie, let's just say, and this will become apparent later when we talk about it, it benefited, right? Listen to this. It benefited from its delays and production issues it benefited really? from this so you will find out why a little okay. bit later but, so you had not seen this movie you, saw, you knew of it you knew right. this you knew that but you'd never seen this start to finish no so this is one of those shows that is so iconic you can't not know of it um it's also so iconic you can't not have seen many many scenes from it so there's certainly things i'll be honest like the ending of this was spoiled for me because i that's a scene i've seen right um many many times but that did not at all spoil the movie for me um because really i didn't know much else you know i knew it was a shark movie i knew it was bad there was shark attacks and there must have been some hunt that's what i gotten from that essentially that last scene which which is pretty much iconic so um yeah, aware of it but um but not really this is one of those ones where i'm aware of and i could you know probably answer the key questions but have yep. no idea of the, the core storyline yeah such an iconic movie so many moments in this movie you'll so mate i could have i could have put together like 50 bits of audio for this there's so many cool parts of this movie very iconic uh scenes but the overall reaction okay so this movie mm. was supposed to be released in christmas at christmas 1974 okay okay so here's this film that they're shooting at martha's vineyard which is supposed to be the fictitious uh place amity island and shooting on water is never easy so it was a lengthy lengthy delays on shootings they were supposed to shoot for 55 days blew out to 159 days a couple of reasons for this it was due to the mechanical shark not working for a start they had a mechanical shark and also problems with the weather, shooting on water. So, as a result, it delayed the release until June 1975, which is summer. Now, up until this point, 
summer was usually when the worst movies were released in cinemas. Everyone thought uh-huh. you're, at, you're at the beach, you're enjoying your life. They dump all the ba- movies that are that are crap in summertime. But when this came out, it absolutely was a massive success. And people are saying this spawned the summer blockbuster. So now, uh-huh. from that moment onwards, summer was when you released your biggest movies, not your worst movies. Right. So it was. This was so seen by the movie years. industry learnt a lot about consumers at this yes. very release from Jaws. So Jaws gave birth to the summer blockbuster. Sixty-seven million people in the US went to see this uh, when it was initially released in 1975. It also won three Oscars for best sound best film editing, and best original musical score. Music in this is amazing. John Williams came up with the music. He's the same guy who did Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. He's a genius. And he, in fact, won the Oscar. And how's this, right? This At the 1976 Academy Awards, John Williams was conducting the orchestra. So when he won his award, he had to ah. go leave the podium, accept his Oscar, and then run back down to conduct the orchestra. But have a guess what? You know, when you go long in your speech, they normally the wind play music up music wasn't there. No one it was winding playing him off, mate. He was there. <laughs> it was also nominated for Best Picture, but it did lose to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who swept oh, all right. the major Oscars that year. So uh, pretty, pretty decent year there. So uh, that was the reaction. Look, we're going to get into the movie in a moment. We're going to really dig in. And if you haven't seen it, of course, this is your last exit before the freeway, and if you haven't seen it, you can catch it on Fetch. And Fetch are great sponsors of the best movies you've never seen, and all because that's the best place to watch movies. We uh, we have the Fetch box set up so that, like me, you can just ask for Jaws. I didn't have to type it. I just used my voice to search for Jaws using the voice remote, and it came up with the movie store and allowed me to either rent or buy. And this movie is one I chose to buy because it's clearly an iconic movie. I was pretty confident I would enjoy it, um, and it's one I want to have in the in my Fetch library. So that now sits in a very easy to access. I don't need to ever search for that again. I can just go into Fetch and look up my stuff, which is a whole category which shows me all of my catch-up TV, the things that I've bought and the movies that I've rented that are still available to watch. So I can find Jaws again really easy. Um, when you're looking for movies, you see the Rotten Tomato ratings and critic reviews right on screen so you can judge what movie might be right for you to watch this night with your family or on your own. So, yep, all easy and all straightforward on a Fetch box. You can get a Fetch at your major retailer or via your internet provider if they make them available. So ring your internet provider and say, have you got Fetch? Alrighty, you're with, if you're still with us, we're about to dive in. Get it? Trying, trying to come up with something funny there. Mate. Oh, no, no. Is that, that, make sure you don't bite off more than you can chew here, Stephen. Ah, love it, love <coughs> it, righto. Well, okay, so now if you're still with us, we're going to really get into the film now. And now, Trevor, you've seen it now. So, what were your impressions after your first time watch? So I think people by now probably realise I I judge movies on a couple of things, storyline and essentially the the, the believability of the shoot. Yeah. And I was nervous about this because I've, you know, I've, yeah. I've seen the mechanical shark at Universal Studios. Um, I'd seen, uh, I think, documentaries or bits about the mechanical sharks. I was quite worried that it was going to be less than believable as a, as a shoot. Um, but from a technical perspective, given the age of it, it is unbelievable how well this is shot, how real it looks, um, to the point where I, I kind of looked up the there's two or there's yeah there's an Aussie or two Aussies at the end of it that are credited with a lot of the underwater footage, and I'm like, well, wow, that's amazing. Yes. These guys, you know, to understand Taylor, that. Yeah, we'll, you, you'll probably yeah, talk, we'll talk about, about that them later. Yeah. Um, so technically, I thought it was just so well done. It was a great shoot, and mate, the story was it was great because you think how are they gonna. Like halfway through the movie, I'm thinking, okay, so there's going to be like a million people bitten to death here, but it, it was so well kind of dragged out. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a pretty compressed story if you look at it as go, you know, holiday towns, shark it's attack, hard, so, yeah, worst time of the move, of the of the season to have a shark attack. We've got to catch the shark. You know, it's actually not a complex story, but little scenes which we'll talk about are so well drawn out. I loved it. I really really enjoyed it. 
characters are well drawn out too. And that's something that, that Steven Spielberg, sort of hallmark of his films is that his characters are well defined and he's just got a great eye, all his shots and his, he, we'll talk about sort of some of the sort of tricks that he used in the, in the movie. Uh, but I think it's sort of, it's a movie that's held up really well in the time. Yeah. It hasn't aged too much. It's like, this is a, this is what a 46 year old movie. It, it's, it's held up pretty nicely in, in the time still still delivers on the story and and, uh, and the the storyline and even though look let's face it, the shark looked pretty crappy but uh, it's still, I didn't it's think still, it did. I, I thought it looked, was still there yeah was still I thought the shark looked great given okay. oh, everything I'm glad, I'm glad available at the time and even now how do you think that so what's your tweet is this um don't bother going back in the water what's your tweet going to be <laughs> I think my tweet here is you you know jaws is iconic whether you've seen it before or not it's absolutely worth a watch again, though I'm never going to the beach again. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good it's not a good ad for a beach holiday, is no, it? No, <laughs> I'm not sure I want my kids well, to I, see this. Oh uh, yeah, maybe when they're a bit older, maybe. But uh, <laughs> I I saw this in the cinema when it came out. I was only a little kid. It was uh, I saw it in the State Theatre, and you know the State Theatre in Market yeah, Street. Wow. Massive buzz about it. I've also had I've also read the book. And we're going to go through later on. There's lots of differences that in the book uh, from what was in the book to what we saw on the screen, but which we'll yep. get into a little bit later. Uh, let's talk casting call. The star of the show, of course, was Roy Scheider, who played uh, Martin Brody. Uh, he was best known before this for The French Connection, was his big starring role. He actually came back for Jaws 2, which I reckon isn't a bad movie. Jaws 2, not bad. Jaws 3 onwards rubbish, so forget those. Jaws 2, worth a watch. Uh, Robert Shaw plays Quint, who was uh, he was in The Sting. Uh, he was actually the one being stung in that movie. And he was also the villain in From Russia With Love, starring opposite Sean Connery. Uh, Richard Dreyfus, who plays Hooper, he, rec- he was recommended by George Lucas, who used him mm. in American Graffiti. Uh, there's a little, little bit of trivia about George Lucas later on that I'll tell you about in this movie as well. Uh, but here's the thing about Richard Dreyfus: I heard in an interview he initially turned this film down. Spielberg offered him a role. He said, nah, you know what? It's on water. I, I don't want to do it. Uh, he then went to the premiere of his film at the time, which was a bit of a bomb. He crawled back and asked Spielberg if that role was still available. He felt that that movie was that bad. He needed to get a job. So he basically begged for the part which was still available, and he did give him the part, and it turned out to be a pretty cracking uh, pretty cracking role for him and one of one of his best-known roles, I think. So we're about to roll into the into the memorable scenes, but we're going to hear also uh, from our great sponsor, Hisense. Hisense is the, is the, if you're after a big-screen TV, then, you know, it's go big or go home, isn't it, with your TV nowadays? And, and Hisense has a range of TVs up to 85 inches. So they've got their ULED TVs, mini-LED TVs, and are in a range of sizes up until up to 85 inches. They have their full array local dimming, quantum dot colour. And if you're a gamer, there's also features there to allow you to play your latest console games in high quality. But if you're like us, it's the movies that you're going to be watching on this big screen and Hisense can really cater for you, especially if you're looking to get a 65, 75, or look, just do it. Get an 85. Go big. Do it. Go. My wife it. agreed, so can yours. So, yeah, Trevor's got an 85-inch Hisense TV, and uh, how good is it? You, he watches his movies on the podcast on the Hisense TV. So if you're after a TV, give Hisense a go. Check out their range at hisense.com.au. But let's dive in here, mate, and I think what better way to start this than like this? <laughs> Very well done. That music is amazing, and, and you yeah. you you knew that. If I played that to you last week, you'd say, "Oh, that's yours. That's yours." Spot on. It's, yeah. it's unmistakable. So yeah. that was actually the start of the movie. The credits are underwater, and the music comes up, and then we suddenly cut to this beach scene where there's all these hippies on the beach having a drink, and yeah, nice, peaceful, relaxing sort of look on the beach. It's sort of the middle of the night, and then 
this girl gets up and sort of the, this guy and the girl sort of making eyes at each other and the girl suddenly gets up and says, oh, well, let's go swimming. And then off she goes into the, into the surf. And it, it, it was like was one of those moments where you're watching it and you go, look, yeah. I know this How is a lovely. movie about shark attacks. This is not going to end well for this poor girl. Like straight up. You just know yeah. it. Well, I always joke with people. I said, why don't they just get out of the water when they hear the music? You hear the music. Get out of the water. That's what I always used to say to people. The music is dead. Give away. Get out of the water. But this was a this was a pretty shocking scene, and we see the woman get attacked. And it, it was the, the actress who played uh, Christy, who, who was killed there. Uh, her name is Sus- Susan Backlinny. And you notice the look of shock on her face when she was getting dragged from one side to the other. Mm, yeah. Well, that was actually – there were two 140-kilo weights attached to her, and she was being – dragged there were two groups of crew on the on the beach dragging her from side to side with quite a bit of force so that look really? of shock on her face is actually genuine she's thinking holy hell what what's happening here so that was a genuine look of shock on her face when she was getting dragged wow. around so violently in the water so it, 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 really, was, it uh, was dragged out as a scene um like yeah. it's one of those moments because i think you need to build up that that kind of scene but it, it kind of pretty quickly then just kind of disappears because then we're introduced to chief Brody. In a really nice, simple way, he's a family man. Um, you know, it's a nice little holiday town. You can kind of see all these things, but you know, this this controversy is very clear early on that you know a girl's remains has found the shock on his face when he sees it on the beach. Um, there's this conversation with the um, the medical examiner because he's yeah. sitting in his office writing up the report. This is crazy. His assistant get picks up the phone. He talks to the medical examiner and he types. This, I thought this was really well shot. He types yeah. shark attack as the cause yeah. of death into the into the uh, incident report. Very well done. And he also then asked his deputy to start making the beach close signs. Yeah. And oh, so he was he'd already made the decision to close the beaches, but then uh, then Mayor Vaughan had something to say about that. I don't think you appreciate the gut reaction people have to these things, Harry. I appreciate it. I'm just reacting to what I was told. Martin, it's all psychological. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. So it was made quite obvious in that scene that the medical examiner who was on that little that little skiff taking the boat, the yes. car across the water, he said, oh, no, it could have been a boating accident. He goes, that's not what you said before. And so they're backtracking. The mayor's obviously, you know, he's terrified that this, this it's a summer town and they need the beaches, they need it all to be open. And he, Brody relents. So the next scene we see is him on the beach. He's yep. sitting there trying to keep an eye on things and people are swimming as they go about their business. His wife is there. He's there. They're talking about how, oh, you never go in the water and people are coming up to him and he's trying to keep focusing on the water and to see what's happening. And you, you see the guy, remember, the, did you notice the guy playing with his dog on the on the beach? Yes. And he's throwing, throwing the stick out to the dog. The dog gets well, it, comes back. This whole scene to me is, is brilliant. Not, not just cinematography. It's brilliant directing because all I'm thinking is, who's dying here? <laughs> is it the big fat woman laying out there? Is it the little kid that runs in? Is it the dog? Is it the – like you've yeah. just and, – and they drag it out, mate. It's like we're going to zoom in on this person again. We're going to zoom in on this person again. And you, you'd be sitting there in the theatre thinking – Oh no, it's going to be him. Oh no, like it was, like it was excellent. I loved it. I'm yeah, thinking, no, it nah, it's, it's really definitely going to be the woman. Like that's, what I said, no, nah, that's going yeah. to be her for sure. Well, it was first, it was first, it was the dog. The dog disappears. Remember, he's saying, "Pippet, Pippet," and the dog, the, you just see the bit of wood just floating there. No yeah. dog. And then we see, remember, there was this little scene where Alex, the kitten, the young boy, asks, he goes, Mama, can I go back in the water? He goes, yeah, oh, on board. He gets his surf mat out. He, he zips out there. And yeah, Brody's there trying to trying to keep an eye on things. People are coming up to him saying, "Look, I need this done. I need that done. The kids are breaking my fences and all this sort of stuff." And then he, then they see out back this violent sort of in the war, violent movement yeah. in the water, and it's the kid. Now, when this happens, you see the the camera on on Roy shot on Brody, and this is a very famous shot because they call it the forward tracking zoom out. So. It's like you're zooming in on him, but the background is zooming out at the same time. So if you re- you've watched it as many times as I have, you sort of remember these things. And in fact, that shot 
is what some film teachers instruct their students on how to how to create that shot so sorry the camera is coming back but zooming in at the same time or the opposite yeah, so way around it's coming in and zooming out at the same time so the background changes but the foreground he comes in you got to you need to watch it to appreciate yeah, right. what i'm talking about you need to watch it again to see it but it was also known as what they call the trombone shot it was invented they reckon by the guy who shot vertigo so they wanted to create these these disorientating height shots but it is a very very famous shot in jaws Right. Very, very cool. So where we've had this, you know, incident on the beach and now you've got pretty much, you know, all the vocal members of the town in a meeting. Um, Mayor Vaughan is like, do we close the beaches? What do we do? Let's do it for 24 hours. It's a like it's a crazy intense meeting. But then you see these just fingers, just fingers on a blackboard uh, and the sound and just the room goes quiet. And there's it's again, it's just such a great shot of a busy room. But then just zoom in on a dude, an old dude in a you know beaten up cap, sitting there to get their attention. This shark, swallow you whole, shaking, tenderizing, down you go. And we got to do it quick. That'll bring back the tourists. That'll put all your businesses on a paying basis. But it's not going to be pleasant. I value my neck a lot more than three thousand bucks, chief. I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. You gotta make up your minds. You wanna stay alive and ante up? You wanna play it cheap? Be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. So that was a solid introduction to Quint, but yeah. what 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 the the bounty that three thousand dollar bounty it then it, a lot of people think well I'm going to have a go at this. So the first thing we see are these two guys trying to trying yeah. to get the shark. The bloke's got his wife's holiday pot roast. They they hook it up to the to the a chain, throw it out. Pier the the shark takes it. The pier gets dragged out to sea, and we see suddenly people come from everywhere to catch the shark. And yep. in this scene where you see all these, the, the guy says, he goes, oh, go talk to your people. He goes, what do you mean my people? He goes, have you seen all the license plates out there? They're from all, all over the place, including Jersey, all around. And that's when he first meets uh, Hooper. Brody meets Hooper from the Oceanographic Institute. And, he, and this is the guy, he he mentions this, this Oceanographic Institute in the in the town hall meeting. But this guy clearly knows his shark stuff. Um, he's very quickly kind of brought into the inner sanctum and he's taken to uh, the medical examiner's office where they bring out a big tray and it's you know very evident at that point that that's as much of the remains of that original um girl on the beach that is still in existence and hooper then essentially performs like an autopsy where he's dictating into a tape recorder it's a big tape recorder on his belt as well i thought that was you know just <laughs> funny to see in this day and age um dictating a um you know the the autopsy report his medical examination of it and he he gets out a tape measure they then come out of that meeting and they're with the mayor again. You know, basically, Hooper, I think that by this time, they've, they've caught a shark, haven't they? Yeah, and they catch out the there. shark. He comes yeah. to this shark with a tape measure while everyone's trying to take a photo. The press is there trying to take a photo because they've found and caught the shark. And Hooper's standing there trying to measure it. And he basically interjects and says, you know what? I don't think this is it. Wow. Martin, there are all kinds of sharks in the waters, you know? Hammerheads, white tips, blues, makos. And the chances that these bozos got the exact oh, shark. Now, there's no other sharks like this in these waters. It's 100 to 1. 100 to 1. Now, I'm not saying that this is not the shark. It probably is, Martin. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different than the wounds on the victim. I just, I want to be sure. You want to be sure. We all want to be sure, okay? So what he goes on to say there, he says, look, one way to be sure is yeah. to cut the shark open because he says he's got a very slow digestive system. Whatever he's eaten in the last couple of days is still going to be there. But then the mayor hears this and he has something to say as well. Look, fellas, let's be reasonable, huh? This is not the time or the place to perform some kind of a half-assed autopsy on a fish. And I am not going to stand here and see that thing cut open and see that little Kettner boy spill out all over the dock. Yeah. So this is also the point, too, where Mrs. Kittner turns up. Remember, so the kid's mother. Do you remember this? She was dressed in black. Yeah. She yeah. comes down to the dock, and 
she just walks up and slaps him in the face saying, look, you knew, you knew this and yet you kept the beaches open. And, and the mayor was saying, oh, no, sorry, she's wrong, Martin. So you, and she says, no, she's not. We should have shut, shut the beaches. And yeah. Roy because, of this, because at that yeah. point, right, people in town didn't know that there'd been another attack and yeah. that they knew about it and therefore they could have prevented the, the young boys. Yeah, that's right. But, but Roy Scheider, that was a real slap in the face, by the way. Roy Scheider wow. said in an interview that, that when the actress, her name was Lee Fierro, she played Mrs. Kittner, she smacked him in the face. She was actually hitting him each of those takes. She said she, she couldn't fake a slap. So Roy Scheider said, well, let me have it. And she did, and there was a take where he even knocked the glasses. He, she knocked the glasses off his face. But he, Roy Scheider said it was the most painful scene in his acting career. <laughs> uh, next we go to, look, so Roy, Roy Scheider's under, he's had a pretty solid, pretty bad day. He had a really cute little scene here. Do you remember when he's at the dinner table and his little son is, is imitating him? He's copying him at the table. He's, you know, he's putting his hands together. His kid does the same thing. And uh, he mm. says, oh, look, yeah. Then he says, hey, kiss with kid. Oh, give, give me a kiss. You know, give your old man a kiss. And then Hooper turns up. So Hooper comes over with a bottle of wine. Just don't invite it. <laughs> yeah, just, no, he turns up. He goes, didn't know whether to bring red or white. But he, he comes in and, and he mentions the fact that he's, uh, yeah, why he's into sharks. But he also says that they've still got a shark problem. I know that uh, I'm going to go to the Institute tomorrow and tell them that you still have a shark problem here. Why do you have to tell them that? Sorry. I'm sorry. I thought the, you told me the shark was caught. And I, I heard it on the news. I heard it on the Cape Station. They caught a shark, not the shark. Not the shark that killed Chrissy Watkins. And probably not the shark that killed the little boy. Which I wanted to prove today by cutting the shark open. But you, you know, you want to let that breathe for nothing. So the best he, bit about this scene, mate, can I just say is, they put, he pours the wine into two wine glasses and a tumbler. Like a proper, yeah. proper cup. He, gives, he fills up his own tumbler and gives a little splash to his wife and a yeah. splash to her. You know, this is a, if, if you can't imagine it, it's two wine glasses and a kid's cup, like a proper tall glass. And it's like, he's just going to have this wine. Like he's, it so either he's shows that he's not a wine man or he's just, he's <laughs> going all in on the drink tonight. But from that, from there, they decide, let's go cut open the shark. So they head yeah. down to the, they find the shark. Yeah. Go, they, they find that there's nothing, that this is not the shark. So they, there was like, he pulls out some fish and a number plate and all these things that yep. obviously not, not the real shark. They and go out to sea, don't he they? Goes and, on, and he says, look, he's a night feeder. Let's get out on the water. And they go out and they find Ben Gardner's boat. And he goes, look, I'm hmm. going to go dive down here. I'm going to check the hull. Now, did this, did this little scene... Did this scare the bejesus out here or what? Did this give you a little start? Yeah, because at this point, see, the thing about this bit is um, this Hooper bloke, I mean, I know he's a reasonably well-known actor now, but I don't know at the time, is he a big actor or whatever? So at this point, I'm thinking, can he be sacrificed? As a filmmaker, is ah. this character going to be sacrificed? Oh, like right. getting okay. in, seeing stuff, and like this is the end of him, and then the bloody cop's got to go back into town and, you know, take over this whole thing. So it might, yes, at this point, I'm thinking it's all over for this guy. But he checks the hole, and then Ben Gardner's head pops out. Boom! <laughs> He's thinking, "Oh my god!" That oh. just, just, just a bit of trivia there. That scene where Ben's Gardner, Ben Gardner's head pops out. When they originally filmed that in Martha's Vineyard, Spielberg wasn't happy with the the fright that you get out of it. He decided to refilm that in his film editor Werner Fields in her backyard swimming pool. They poured a heap of milk in the water to make it look murky like a real ocean, and they re-shot that in her backyard swimming pool to get that real jolt, you know, where the head pops out, and so the audience oh jumps God. a little bit. So, that's yeah, crazy. So that's how, but the, but the thing, in that moment, he finds a massive shark tooth and all these different things, but because he gets scared, he drops the shark tooth, and I think that's a critical part of the next scene where they confront the mayor who's still very much in denial, but he can't. Like, he talks about the size of the tooth he found him, but the mayor goes, rightly, he goes, well, where's the tooth, mate? And, like, so basically the the mayor sees uh, Hooper and the and the chief of police as being just outrageously, you know, scaremongering, and that's that's the best they can do. They've got this big problem. It's funny, though, the reaction from Hooper where the, he just he feels the mayor doesn't get it, and, and then he says this. Uh, I think that I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. <laughs> so this is a good scene, by the way. This is all one shot. This Most of this scene where they're talking, this member that someone's defaced the sign, it's all one yeah. 
continuous shot. So no cuts at all. Uh, yeah. and, and that was, there was a lot of information shared in that scene too. So where he's talking about that, he explains what the shark memory goes. Look, the shark, it's a perfect engine. All it does is swim and eat and make little sharks. It's a wonder of yeah. evolution. And they're talking about we've got to cut off its food supply. But you know what? He's still, the mayor is still very much wanting to keep the beaches open. Larry, Larry, if you make an effort today, we might be able to save August. August? For Christ's sake, tomorrow's the 4th of July, and we will be open for business. It's going to be one of the best summers we've ever had. Now, if you fellas are concerned about the beaches, you do whatever you have to to make them safe. But those beaches will be open for this weekend. So we see that the beaches are still open for the weekends. 4th of July, the tourists are pouring in. Did you see those scenes where the boats are coming in, packed full of people? People are packed on the beach. They've got all these patrols out there, boats and people keeping an eye. And then did you remember the scene where the mayor comes along to his friend? He goes, listen, no one's swimming. Get in the water and have a swim. And then they decide to go out there. And and he was Uh, right, right? The mayor was right. Everyone was a bit sceptical and he needed people to get in. And that forcing – and that was like an old couple and then – you know, the grandkids, perhaps. Grandkids, they, they, yeah. they take the grandkids in, which I thought was kind of remarkable. But anyway, they get in, and which spurs everyone to get in. And then there's a there's a shark fear because someone sees a shark. Yeah, but the it shark turns goes out into the pond. Yeah, the shark goes well, in. Well, right. Before that, there's two yeah. kids pretending to be a shark. Yes, that's right. They have a play a little which, prank. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> which creates this boy who cried wolf moment, which I actually thought at this moment, because you remember they've got this kind of uh, everyone's out, uh, everyone's freaking out. There's boats out there trying to find this shark that has just been spotted. They find these two kids. Luckily, they don't shoot yeah. them. But when um, they were swimming towards the camera, you thought, "Holy hell, this is a shark!" And yes. remember, the woman sees it and starts screaming. It looked real, didn't it? Did you think it was real for a moment? The the fake one, the yeah, fake absolutely. One, yeah. But yeah. I think, and I think that's why it's shot. But what I think is fascinating about this scene, this this couple of moments, is you've got these kids pretending to be a shark, and because it's fake and they say that, when there's a woman across the kind of uh, estuary screaming, yeah. the shark's gone in there, the shark's gone in there, I assumed it would be entirely ignored because of a boy yeah. who cried wolf the kind of moment. Yeah, but it's point, kind of yeah. not, which which I actually think it's a missed opportunity to yeah. actually make a like make it worse. Like but you, if you gotta remember a few moments earlier, remember where um, Michael, the son, the Brody's son, yes. says, Oh, look, take your boat into the pond. And he goes, oh, yeah. ponds for old ladies. So, look, just do it for your old man. So his, think about his it. son is in the pond now with the shark. So, so think about it this way, right? The woman's screaming the shark's in there, and everyone reacts to her and goes looking there, right? Yeah, and they the run towards her, you yeah. know, bunt some people off the boat and stuff. But imagine that woman is just discounted as being, you know, part of a, a boy who cried wolf moment, and everybody yeah. ignores that. And that shark actually does get someone, and then they come to the pond. I just think there's a... I think it would have been a good opportunity to kill another person, basically, in the movie, <laughs> well, you know? In the pond, do you remember where the, the Michael was in the boat with, in his little the, boat uh, with his Yeah, the, the bike and paddling by. The bike paddling towards him, and then it was a great over-the-top over scene. I don't know, it's sort of like a top shooting down scene where the bloke's in the water and you can see the outline of the shark with its mouth open and then he gets dragged under. It was beautifully shot how they yeah. did that. He gets the dragged under. Even his leg. better shot, though. The even better shot here is because Michael and his mates are in the water. They uh, Michael's in shock, like literally, you know, yes. can't move, and they're dragging him out of the water. And mate, yes. the shot for five seconds, you think, "Oh my god, he's, he's chomped his he's... leg off." <laughs> like, that oh was really yeah. he shot. It's actually, a great, great angle he shot on that. Yeah, it's just cinematography. It's directing, going, mate. No, yeah. drag him out. Drag that. Do it again. But shoot it from here, so you can't yeah. see the bottoms of his legs. So well done. It was yeah, that was brilliant. Now I agree. I, I'm in agreement with you there. And yeah, so yeah. yeah, we're uh, so. And then so then then you you're back at the hospital. Um, there's a, there's now massive confrontation because they've seen a shark. It's you know the place is in chaos. Person, yeah. The mayor is freaking out. Um, and he, I think he describes him as the mayor of Shark Town. Yeah, he goes, you're the mayor of Shark Town now. We've got to do something. And he, they, remember he says, look, we've got to get Quint now to to kill the shark. And this is where they go out and they meet Quint. Yeah, they say, we meet him for the first time because we'd already met Quint before, remember? And they said, right, we're going to take you up on your offer. Let's do this. So they're heading out to catch the Great White. And, and, and part of that at the start is when they, they're what they call they, they're chumming. So they've got to put all the bloody meat into the water to attract the shark. And yeah. they're doing that. And do you remember when he says, oh, Chief, get behind me. Remember, he takes the line and it goes, yeah. it, it rushes out. Um, so they think, okay, here's the shark. They start chumming again. 
And this was the shark surfaces here. And this is where you, you hear Brody saying, oh, you know, he's chumming, sort of not real happy about the situation. But then when he sees the shark, he sort of utters probably the iconic line of the movie. Slower hedge. I can go slower hedge. Come on down and chum some of this shit. You're going to need a bigger boat. Now, did you know that you you knew that line, didn't you? Did you yeah, know that I mean, from this I've movie? I've heard that either in ads or other places, but I had no idea that the the origin the origins of we're going to need a bigger boat is yeah. yours. Had no idea. Yeah. Well, it goes further that according to the writer Carl Gottlieb was the co co writer of the script with Peter Benchley, who wrote the novel. He said that line was not in the script. That was that was ad libbed by Roy Scheider. When wow. he backs, remember, so he's remember he sees the shark and he backs. He sees the shark and he's speechless. It's an yeah. interesting moment because yeah. he doesn't scream. He doesn't, no. you know, doesn't draw attention. In fact, to the point where they may, the others may have missed the opportunity to see the shark because he doesn't exclaim. So yeah. essentially, he, um, yeah, he, he says that well, as he backs into the into the room. And that kind of says, well, this is a bigger shark than I ever imagined. So we're, this, we're on this little boat. <laughs> you know, help us out here. But, yeah, that yeah. was an amazing scene. And so there, we, we see now the shark is sort of playing with them a little bit, goes under the boat, circling the boat, and uh, they they start hooking up the barrels as well. Remember, they start shooting and, the and barrels. This, it's interesting at this point because I don't know about you in when you were eight, but at this point, I don't know what are the barrel like. What's what are they doing? Are they trying to the kill barrel's it? Trying to the keep it, to it? Surface. No, the, the right. barrel is so much When tight. you see it first, you have yeah. no idea what's going on. Like you're like, are these explosives? Like what the hell do the yeah. barrels do? You know, you realize probably five minutes later, you realize it's about tagging it and tracking it and, and knowing where it, it is. Tight. Yeah, because for it to dive with the barrels takes some effort. So having the more sure, barrels none, on keep it to the surface. None of that yeah. is explained to you. That's that has to yeah, be yeah, learned true, cool, by cool. the viewer. Yeah. You, see, yep. I think this is a funny thing about you coming at a movie for the fifty eighth time. Yeah. You you kind of can know that. I You kind of get to the point where uh, the second barrel. It's actually the third barrel that they realise by the time they get to the third barrel that they realise it can't go under with that. And that that was the point where I go. These barrels are more than just tracking. They're about trying to stop it in the, in that sense. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's really Hooper, fascinating to learn that. Hooper attached a um, a little beacon to it as well, so he could track yeah. it. Remember, he had all the high tech gear, and um, there was and a really good the, shot of the boat in the distance. Yeah, you see the boat in yes. the distance. You see the barrel sort of coming in, and you hear you see the light beeping flashing on top of it. So hang on, yeah. the, the shark's back. Because uh, at this point, aren't they? They're they're in 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 the in the boat just having a drinking session, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's this comparing kind of weird their scars. Thing. Yeah, literally uh, comparing their, their battle scars of, of life. And it's this weird thing because you're thinking, guys, shouldn't someone be on watch? I mean, you've hooked a massive shark. Shouldn't someone be on watch here? But also you realise that they could just be out at sea forever. And this thing is just, you know, will they see it again? Because it's not hooked to the boat in any way at this point. No, it's just hooked to barrels. They're, yeah. they're assuming they're going to see it again. It's kind of fascinating thing and probably not realistic in that sense too. Yeah, Just but mine. then they, they also see, when they're comparing the scars, they also see uh, the tattoo for on Quint, which is from when he served on the USS Indianapolis, and he tells his mm. story about they delivered the, the nuclear bomb that, that, that for Hiroshima, yeah. and he gets top secret. They couldn't be known that they were there. The boat was hit by a torpedo. They were in the water, and I'm assuming this is why he became a shark hunter, because of what happened. He describes yeah. all the all the victims from the from the sinking of the ship that, that were, were killed by sharks, but he just describes uh, the sharks in an incredible way. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. 
So that was yeah. a pretty dramatic story. He's got a great it is uh, incredible sort of how he characterises the shark with the lifeless eyes and everything. But in yeah. the meantime... Was, Actually, yeah. listening back to that is, is much more powerful than watching it in the yeah. movie because... Not the best you know, ad go swimming, is it? It's not the best well, ad for <laughs> tourism. Again, this goes to that whole watching things multiple times and hearing more. Like, I didn't hear him say the lifeless black eyes until it bites, yeah. the, the eyes roll back to white. Yeah. You know, those kind of things, there's no way you're picking that up on the first yeah. watch. No, you, you you do you do hang out for those things. That's why it's such a rewatchable movie because of all these little nuggets in it that it's yeah. just really just brilliant performance. Because um, it's, it's at this moment then when they they get a big clunk because it's uh, this is yes. that moment where you do see it from a distance. The beacon's flashing. It hits the hull. You know the hull's been pierced. They've got to both you know uh, get the pump working and and get the water out, but also deal with the fact that there's a massive shark now attacking the boat. Yeah, so they're they're doing the running repairs. That there's water on the on the boat now. The sharks reappeared, and Brody tries to radio for help. Did you remember this part? He tries to radio for help. Very strange. Quint comes in with a baseball bat and smashes the radio, and Brody says, "You're certifiable." He goes, "What did you What did you do that for?" Like he 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 says, "No, nah, we're not going to call for help. We're going to kill this thing ourselves." But so, it's a strange moment. I'll be honest in the movie, and yeah. if I was to pick it apart, you go. That moment is made only to ensure the ending is what it is, right? Because otherwise, you know, help is called for, and they they kill the shark. The shark is 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 caught, but it's not as dramatic. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the only reason you you break the radio. Well, so they they were the, all the barrels. Remember they tied. Remember they got the barrels. They tied them to the boat. That's that, so that's now, where it becomes fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So now the shark is attached to the boat, and it's powerful enough to drag the boat backwards. Yeah. Starts taking on water, uh, so they decide. Look, let's get the shark cage. We're gonna, you know, time to put the cage in the water, and then so Hooper goes down in the water. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit in the uh, things you didn't know about how that was filmed. The shark cage, yeah. that, that a lot of that was filmed in Australia. But, and, and look, he, he's in the water. The the shark attacks. He actually has to get out of the cage because it's literally yeah. crippled, and he. He hides in a in a rock on the on the on the ocean for the sea floor, which is yeah. again a kind of weirdly fascinating you know, decision in the movie. Um, and it's this point where you know it's it's all going down on the boat, right? The boat's yeah, so half, the shark half underwater. Back the boat, yeah. Um, Quint is you know trying to attack it, but actually gets taken into the jaws of the shark, which is kind of the most iconic scene there, isn't it? And this is so this is the scene that I've seen. Like you know, I've seen clips yeah. of this in whatever yeah. method. Um, maybe not the bloke getting killed. I didn't know that was going to happen, but certainly, you know, the boat going down in that sense. Yep. And it's funny how now lots of little things that were shot earlier in the movie, just shots, little cutaways, like the, the, the tank, you know yes. what I mean? Like the, the, he knocks it over. Remember he, he unties it and he goes, yeah. Oh, be careful, Martin, that's compressed air. So it yeah. planted the seed that this is you a see it there. And you see it again later in, in when he's inside the boat as well. Yes. Um, and, and I think there's even a mention of how it would explode. So there's those kind of weird little things, um, and that's yep. where you know obviously um, the the police chief throws that in the in in the shark, and then tries to shoot it, and and obviously successfully doesn't blows up. But I just like it's a fascinating moment because you're thinking this bloke's trying to shoot like hey stop shooting it's like wait till it gets closer you're trying to shoot through water that's madness like you're actually at this point yeah. trying to cheer him on and coach him at the same time it's, yeah. it's epic let's see how it goes Did you hear yeah. him earlier say, blow up? Blow up, yeah. He's, he's yanging it on like we are, you know. You say, Which is smart. I think that's a good moment because that's what we're thinking. It's what he's thinking. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's epic. And but So then what I find most fascinating is, but I loved, is that's it. Yeah. Well, Hooper we comes back to the surface. Remember, Hooper resurfaced. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hooper comes back and he finds that he's alive. But they don't need to go back to shore. They don't need to celebrate. You're like, you don't need all that in the movie. No. It's it's the last done. shot. Them, last shot is them paddling to shore, and then oh, a long shot. Beach. Yeah, a long shot of the first beach that we see. So, um, yeah. Oh, so I just want to say, and I know this goes to your plot holes and stuff, but again, my only 
problem with that whole final scene is the boat didn't sink. I mean, we, we yeah, know how deep the water there. was because yes. Hooper went down. It wasn't too deep. To the, yeah, you're right. It wasn't too deep. It had to have been deeper than the boat, though. So the boat yeah. should have sunk. Yeah, yeah, true. Or there might have been some air left in the boat. I don't know. It was uh, no, mate. The boat, boat was those sinking. Things, oh. That's a plot hole. <laughs> so, did you catch some lines here, mate? There's some really cool lines here. That uh, this is one of my favourites, and we'll talk about it in a sec. But do you remember the scene where he's on the beach and the old bloke gets out of the water? This is that scene. It's cold. <laughs> we know all about you, chief. You don't go in the water at all, do you? Some bad hat, Harry. <laughs> that that's a that's a <laughs> that's some bad hat, Harry. Right? I've heard that often. That's like an often quoted line. But right. get this right: the director, producer Brian Singer. He's a famous director. He directed um, Bohemian Rhapsody, among other X Men films. This is his favorite movie. He named his production company after that line. His company. <laughs> That's some bad hat. It's called Bad Hat Harry Productions. So some of the movies <laughs> you've seen that he produced and some TV shows. I think House. Uh, if you watch to the end of the credits of the, some of these movies and TV shows that you yeah. do see at the very end. Oh, that's some bad hat, Harry. You hear that nice. exactly. Yeah. Nice. Then the other one is, um, and this is more about the, I guess, the inflection or the delivery of the line, but it's about the tiger shark. What kind of a shark is it? I don't know. I think it's a macaw. Got a deep throat, Pratt. Yeah, well, but what kind? What kind of shark? It's a tiger shark. A what? <laughs> a what? I love that. And that's the guy who five minutes later threatens to stick his head in the mouth of the shark and, and do all that. But, um, that was quite funny as well. I do like the scene when uh, this line from, from Quint when, um, when Hooper gets out his shark cage. What do you got here? Portable shark or a monkey cage? Anti-shark cage. Anti-shark cage. You go inside the cage. Cage goes in the water. You go in the water. Shark's in the water. Our shark. Farewell and adieu to you, Spanish <laughs> ladies. In other words, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, that's, it's that's just really such cool. a great – I don't know what his normal accent is, but it's a great delivery. It's a great accent. It's it's yeah. a great kind of sea shanty moment. Love it. He's a really good actor, uh, Robert. Uh, Quint, Robert Shaw, who played Quint. All right, uh, we're going to move into the section, Trev. You kind of touched on this already. How did that happen and the plot holes here? Okay. Now, I've got a bit of audio for the plot holes. I'm going to start it with this, and then we'll talk about it. I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of a boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. It was Ben Gardner's boat. It was all chewed up. I helped tow it in. You should, you should have seen him. Where, where is that tooth? Did you see it, Rod? No, oh, I didn't see it. He dropped it. I had an accident. Away. So the point of that scene, right, and you, you touched on it earlier, right? He says, where's this tooth? He doesn't believe him, right? That's right. What about Ben Gardner's head? How about showing Ben Gardner's headless body and the hull of his boat as proof that there's a shark? Did he not want to accept that either? He was hanging on this tooth. Because he says, the chief says, I towed the boat in, right? Yeah, you like, should have seen him. But he goes, oh, you don't have this tooth. Ben Gardner, who's a famous fisherman, he's dead. There's no – his head's missing. <laughs> so I thought that was rather odd. Now, yeah, fair point. you know that show Mythbusters? Have you heard of that show Mythbusters? Yeah, oh, mate, big fan, big fan. Mate, good, good. Oh, I'm a fan too. They dedicated an entire episode to busting myths in this oh. movie, okay, back in 2003. Uh, the first one was there was a scene that was cut out of it. Uh, it was a deleted scene, but he, refer, he refers to the piano wire. So he doesn't use fishing line. He uses piano wire to catch the shark. And apparently, according to Mythbusters, piano wire does not have the tensile strength needed to be an adequate shark catching line. So that's well, number one. Okay. Number two, scuba tanks will not explode when you shoot them, apparently. Oh. So that's, well, that's myth number two busted hole. right there. Uh, and they also had some questions about whether a shark can generate enough force to pull the boat backwards. That's kind of uh, a little bit, sort of take a little bit of license they were with uh, with uh, biology right there. So let's move on to the things you might not know, Trev. So here we go. Um, the 
and you asked this question last week when we referred to Bruce, the right. shark, the mechanical shark. Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I can confirm to you, Trev, that the shark in Finding Nemo was yeah. named Bruce as a homage to the manic mechanical shark's nickname. Oh, beautiful. It was named Bruce for that particular reason. Now, do you remember early on we talked about how the production delays, one of the things that stopped that, that really impacted the production was the fact that the shark never bloody worked when they wanted it to. Right. So what happened there? They tested the shark, the mechanical shark. There was three of them. They tested them in water before arriving in Martha's Vineyard where they filmed the movie, right? But the tests were done in fresh water in the Universal oh, Studios no. tank, not in ocean water. So the salt totally screwed up with the shark's controls, which is why it was very rarely working. Uh, now, the first day the model shark was deployed, it sank to the bottom of the ocean. You, mentioned to, you did refer to the fact that it wasn't very deep. That helped them. So the water off Martha's Vineyard, I think, was like 30 feet actually for a quite a distance out to sea. It wasn't that deep, so that was helped them with their production. Uh, but here's what Spielberg was saying. He said, look, he, the first day the shark sank, so needed a lot of maintenance and didn't appear very terrifying, according to Steven Spielberg. He says, quote, I had no choice but to figure out how to tell the story without the shark. And he says that it's what we don't see that is truly frightening. Oh. I actually think that that's, that's a big key to the movie is that, like I thought to myself, you actually don't see the shark that much. You see its no. silhouette a few times. You get the sense of yep. its power through it dragging that line and the barrels. You don't need to see it, which well, is, I think, you. also why it's believable because so much of when you do see it, it's actually quite short, sharp moments. I yeah. thought it was good. Well, I'll tell you now, mate. The shark doesn't appear on screen until one hour and 21 minutes into the movie, and it's a two-hour yeah. movie. So yeah. we'd already been 80 minutes in without seeing the shark. So remember when he was chumming and he sees it, got to get a bigger boat? That's the first time you actually see the shark. And in total, the shark in a two-hour movie has just four minutes of screen time. So, that, so see how I was time. telling you at the start how the delays in production delayed it to summer was a hit? Now, this also, the the... the the shark not working properly, they had to think, right, how are we going to do this and still make it effective? And that actually played into – that was in yeah. their favour, that you don't see oh. the shark. So we see yeah. how the production delays and the production issues actually benefited this movie. Now, I told you there was three mechanical bruises that were made, and one shark was open on the right, one shark was open on the left, the third was fully skinned. Uh, each of them cost – $250,000 at the time as well. I did tell you that the Finding Nemo shark was named Bruce for that very reason. Now, you know Steven Spielberg is good mates with George Lucas. George Lucas introduced Spielberg to Richard Dreyfus. So, look, you should use this bloke. I just use him in American Graffiti. He should be good for you. George Lucas visited Steven Spielberg on the set. He wanted to show him the mechanical shark. So what did George Lucas do? He stuck his head in the jaws, and as a joke – they clamped the jaws, the jaws shut on George Lucas. Oh. But you remember, I, remember I told you though that the, it would it wouldn't work all the time. Yeah. George Lucas was stuck in the jaws for three hours before they could get him out again. So the, what? The prank, the prank backfired. George Lucas was sitting inside the shark for three hours until they could pry the jaws open to let him free. Oh my god! <laughs> so remember, I told you that this was based on a book, the Peter Benchley novel. Uh, so book v movie, there's some pretty significant differences. First one being Hooper, who was played by Richard Dreyfus in the book, has an affair with Mrs. Brody in the book, right? Oh, wow. And also too, like you in the movie, we saw the mayor was was desperate to keep the the beaches open. We were a summer town. Apparently, in the book, there was sort of undertones of mafia pressure on the on the mayor. To keep to keep the, the town open, to keep the money coming in. Right. That was another thing that was in the book, but not in the movie. In the in the book, Hooper dies in the shark cage. He gets killed in the shark cage. Quint uh. drowns, doesn't get eaten in the movie. In the movie, he gets eaten, but in the book, he drowns. And the shark is killed in the book by being harpooned to death. They stab it to death rather than blowing it up. So that were the major differences. And Peter Benchley, who was the author of the book and the co-author of the screenplay, actually agreed that if you take all those backstories out, it is a better story 
flows a bit better without all that little the little subplots in it. So, wow. Now, Rich Robert Shaw, who played Quint, and Richard Dreyfus apparently were not very friendly with each other. They couldn't stand each other, and that's why the tension in the scenes together is actually is quite real. They just didn't like each other. So when they were acting opposite each other, that sort of little, those little little bits of tension and hatred were real. So that helps, you know, if it's real, it's real. It's pretty good. Now, remember we were talking about the shark cage and you mentioned that you knew that Ron and Valerie Taylor shot many of the underwater scenes around the cage scene. Do you remember yep. when he goes to the cage? They, they do that. They apparently shot that at Seal Rocks in, in Australia. In uh, net, the Seal Rocks off South Australia is where they shot it. Now, what they did with that to create scale, they shot it in. They shot it with a miniature cage. So the yeah. miniature cage, they had a little miniature figure in it as well for, to represent Hooper, and the, then the shark would appear gigantic next to it, right? So that's how they shot that. But yeah. while they were filming it a real shark got entangled in the line. Did you notice the bit where the shark was sort of thrashing around on top of the cage? Yeah. That, that, that was, that happened. It was like a happy accident. They got all that on film and that was actually, that footage was used in the movie as well. So it did, wow. it did pretty, pretty impressive. Now the, during the filming, which was pretty like, fraught with problems, the, there was an issue where one of the boats of the, from the crew actually sank and what they did they, uh, there was a, there's a famous, there's a famous story where one of the guys, because they, they used to record the sound and the film separately. You know, the sound guy, the film guy. Mm-hmm. It was the sound crew. They said, no, stuff everything. We're going to save the recording, and they actually held it above their head, save the audio. But the film sank, so they lost the film in the water. But get this, they saved the film because even though it was submerged in seawater, they thought it was going to be ruined. But apparently, when you're processing it. The developing solution is saline. So the salt water didn't ruin it. They recovered the film, was flown to the lab. They didn't lose a single frame, even though it was in in the water. Righto. Did you notice, Trev, when Hooper comes to Amity Island, the first person he bumps into is Ben Gardner. Remember the bloke whose head he finds? the fisherman, yeah. And he goes, hey, g'day, how are you? He goes, hello. He goes, hello back. Remember, he talks to him. That was Ben Gardner. So the bloke he's, whose head he finds in the boat was the first person he meets on Amity Island. Yeah. Second little did you notice, and you know what? I only picked this up in the last couple of viewings of the movie. There is the scene when, remember when they're singing, the shark hits the boat, they get back on deck. There's a close-up of, of Brody getting his revolver, right? So Brody's in the foreground yep. and, and Hooper's in the background. And there's a shooting star appears behind Yes, him. it appears twice. Did you notice that? Yes. That was real. That wasn't an wow. effect. That happened. They captured like, that. It appears twice. It's in night. two shots. Yes. Well, that, that was real. That happened. Oh, it wow. happens an hour and 36 minutes in, if you want to fast forward to it. That was not an optical effect. That was real. They just happened to catch a shooting star in the background. Nice. Now, I don't know also whether you noticed Spielberg shot most of the film, a third of the film, was shot at water level. Did you notice that? So he wanted to – he shot the film at water level in some scenes. If you look back, you'll notice this. It's right. Where he wanted to give the perspective to the viewer as if they were treading water. That's oh. how he shot a lot. A lot of the boat scenes are shot from water level. A lot of the early scenes when she's swimming, the, the attacks at water yeah. level. So he just wanted to create that uh, that sort of that impression. Also, too, most of the film was shot handheld, just to compensate for the ocean swell and the movement of the boats. But that is our did you notice? And that is the movie. So how did you enjoy that, mate? What's your wrap up? What's your rating? What do you think? Oh, I really think this is a movie that stood the test of time better than I could have ever imagined, uh, given how old it is. I love the storyline. Um, I didn't have any complaints about the effects. I, I honestly thought it was going to be rubbish um, with the mechanical shark, but I, I thought it was great. Mate, still I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, good. mate. This is a this is a nine for me. Yeah, no, this is brilliant. No, this, this is nearly a ten out of ten for me. I love this movie. I've seen it so many times, and I will continue to see it many times because there are these little nuggets you discover. There's all the, and, and as you said, you just appreciate the performances a bit better, the way it's shot. It's just be- it's a beautiful looking movie. 
And despite all the troubles on the set, despite all the delays, what they got was gold. And uh, yeah. we can still appreciate it all this time later. So that was Jaws. Now, looking forward to next week, mate. We've got a we've got another more recent film. I think it was released in two thousand. It's American Psycho, starring I have nothing. Christian Bale, right? And I'm going to give you your quiz here. You've got a little quiz okay. question for you, Trevor. Let's go. Let's go. The main character of American Psycho, his name is Patrick Bateman. Okay. Now, what is he? What is his occupation? All right, is he a an actor? B a banker? Right. C a cop or D, a politician? Listen, um, I'd, I'd, I'd either be passing or taking a stab because I have zero knowledge here. So You've I'm going to look in banker. Banker. And you know what? You got it right. He's oh, a banker. He's a banker. And he's in uh, mergers and acquisitions, or as he calls uh, murders and executions, is what he says in the oh, movie. But okay. you have all Boiler. that to look forward to, Trevor. American Psycho. Well, hello. Does the name give you anything? American Psycho. What do you think is going to happen? There's going to be some drama. It's not about, right? a, it's not about a sewing circle, is it? There's something going to happen here. Sewing <laughs> circle. Uh, well, look, before Thanks we go, I want, to apologize. I want to apologize for the quality of my audio. That's my bad. Um, but Stephen's in fine, uh, full cinema colour, and he's the star of the show. So my apologies. I'll fix it for next week. Um, that's my bad. That's okay, mate. We'll forgive you this time. It still sounded okay, in my opinion. But uh, as long as we could hear you and hear your appreciation of this great movie, that's all that matters. So until next time, mate, you've got American Psycho to watch, and as does our audience. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you to Fetch, our great sponsors. All the movies we talk about, you can watch on Fetch. And, of course, Sense. if you want to really watch it on the big screen in great quality, then get yourself a Sense TV. Just go, look, spend the money, 85-inch TV. I'm going to fire up the Fetch Mighty in our lounge room that's connected to the Sense 85-inch TV, and American Psycho is going to probably scare the heck out of me. <laughs> well, of that, I'm sure. That's. Well, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that one. Uh, until then, Trev, enjoy the movie, and I'll talk to you next week.